what we're doing is trying to get some traction to where you can, again, get momentum in your prayer life. And we're doing that. We have 9 p.m. every evening Zoom for those that want to join us for the next 21 days starting tomorrow morning. Tomorrow evening. Sorry. 9 in the evening. And uh, if you can't um, join during that time or anything, but you still want to connect somehow in the progression of how we're praying, then that information will be emailed to you. This is a separate email list. This is not just our regular everything email that we normally send out. You have to opt in to get this prayer information, okay? So if, uh, if you didn't get that or you want it, maybe you can share with the person next to you. But this is, this is a step forward. This is us saying, help us, Jesus, to get moving forward in, in something we want, something we desire, something we long for, fresh grace in prayer, okay? So we ask for that, Lord. Would you build us together? Would you show us how to, to follow you in fresh ways, Lord, to recognize your presence, to, to know that you're listening, to know that you see us, to walk with you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, as we're getting started this morning, I, I have another opt-in for you, and that is a, uh, the scriptures related to the, the core of today's message. And I'm not sure if there's a, a place in the back. Where are these stacks, Sophia? Three tables in the front. Okay. Um, let me see. You might want to grab some of those, honey. And put them on that corner table back there. Table. Yeah, you'll have a fourth table. So, um, I'm going to let a little chaos happen right now. If you want, here's, I want you to want to. Sometimes we, we have things that we push, push, push. You know, they could fill every seat in this room. But if, if you would like to track somewhat in, in a daily prayer progression for this week. This is the uh, bookmark. This is a prompt. So if you would like them, come and get them. No one has to, all right? And you can do it right now if you'd like. So we're talking about the fear of the Lord. We're talking about today the first in seven prayers that would give us a depth of hunger in our relationship with God. So, fear the Lord. That's what this says on here. Number one, the fear of the Lord. And today I'm going to try to encourage you in why I would emphasize this as the first prayer. Now, I, I grew up, uh, again, right after they invented the wheel, before there was electricity in cars, no. Um, I was born in 1960. I lived the entire decade. And <clears throat> in that season, the baby boomers, the post-World War II generation, 
we moved away from uh, formality and legalism and judgment and harshness, and we rebelled and broke off all of those chains of structure in our society. And since that time, the, uh, the loosening of all order and structure has continued. And uh, when I was a child, I, I heard a lot of messages about hell, about the book of Revelation, about God's judgments. And there was a lack of balance in, in that. So the message that I responded to and many, many people responded to was the father heart of God. God was not harsh, not distant, not angry. He's not mad at you. He's compassionate. He's full of love. He's long-suffering. He's the incarnate God that cares about you. But somewhere in that process, we lost the fear of the Lord. In our informality, in our stepping away from dull liturgy, in our stepping away from some aspects of church that just seem like empty formality, I believe we've also lost the awe and reverence of the person of God. And the salvation that you have is small in your eyes if you don't know what you've been saved from. The friend you have in Jesus is just a shallow play date if you don't know that he is more powerful than anything. That you, when you come to him, you're coming next to a lightning storm of power. That's your friend. And I, I want to stir up in our hearts a longing for the awe and reverence of God. And it's, be, it's become a desire for me that is deep, that I keep asking for. You know, we, we are in this environment where we're looking for entertainment. You know, coming to church and you're going, yeah, what's this guy got to say? Well, I wonder how good the worship band is. No fear of God. Just looking for entertainment. There's no sense of I am stepping forward. And we know he's everywhere. He's with you. He walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. But there's something that we've lost in the holiness of his presence in this room when we gather. That we would actually tremble a little bit. We would be somewhat intimidated. So you need both. You need to know that the Father loves you. And He is just like in the story of the prodigal son. He sees you and He runs to you. And that it, Jesus was kind 
to little children. And then we need this book of Revelation experience where we see John, his closest friend, falling at his feet, though he's like he's dead, unable to move. Revelation chapter 1. So, I want you to want this. I want you to, it to be something burning in your soul. I want the fear of the Lord. I want the awe of God. I don't want a cheap cartoon image of Jesus. I want the biggest, most terrible, most fearsome picture of creative, the creator God than I possibly could wrap my imagination around. Anybody want that? Do you want that? Isn't that? It's kind of, in, in one, it's a little odd to want these things, you know? Why would I want to be afraid? And uh, as we talk about this, you know, I'm going to go into some, some definitions. In, in the, the book of Proverbs has a number of references, that I, and I'm just going to go through this really quickly. So we think of uh, what is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, that's actually not a definition. It's an explanation of the result of the fear of the Lord. It, it creates wisdom. If you want wisdom, get the fear of the Lord. And you want wisdom. I'm going to talk about that next week. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. The beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1.7. Uh, what, what do you get when you fear the Lord? Proverbs 14.26. The, the person who has the fear of the Lord has a secure place. What do you get from the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 14.27? You get a fountain of life, an ongoing, outpouring place of life. And... A couple of other references in Psalms. A person that fears the Lord. What is a description of a person that fears the Lord? Um, They have this reverence and respect for God. Now, we, we tend to think, no, 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 I'm not talking fear. A lot of times I've heard teachings on this. When I was talking about the fear of the Lord, I'm not really meaning fear. I'm talking about awe and reverence. And I just want you to know today that I'm talking about fear. I, when you fear God, you will fear nothing else. He is the one to fear. So, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, it's not just awe, like, wow, cool. Man, isn't that a beautiful mountain over there? It's something that, that makes it a little hard to stand up. It's like there's this weight, the fear of the Lord. You're kind of going, I'm, I'm having to focus on breathing a little bit. God is so awesome. So a person that fears the Lord, it says in Isaiah, trembles 
at his word. You, the Bible is read, and something in you just goes, whoa. How many of you this morning, we read verses, you hear verses, you go, yeah, good, nice. Or does something in you tremble? The person that fears the Lord hates evil. Now, that's interesting. How often have we talked about what God hates? Jesus loves you, God's love. But he actually hates things. He says he hates an unjust balance. You know, but we lived in, in Indonesia for 10 years, and when we, they used a scale where you had a bunch of little weights on one side you'd put in, and they'd, you know, to, how many apples, how much vegetables do you have here? And they'd put these little, uh, something that weighed a kilo, a half a kilo, or whatever on this side. An unjust scale was a person that created those little weights, but they weren't accurate. They were sticking them on there, and they were cheating you. The unjust scale, typically in the old days, was cheating poor people. God hates an unjust scale. He hates it. Jesus, we see in the temple, when the worship of God became a mockery, he went in there and he, he wasn't smiling. He threw tables over. He was angry. He hated it. So God hates things. If you want to reflect on what happens in our society to innocent people, God hates it. So, the fear of God is to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. That's the definition I'm operating from. The fear of God is to be full of the desires of God. The fear of the Lord is for what He is feeling is what you are feeling. You love what he loves, but you hate what he hates. It's both. And the fear of the Lord is God's will. It's, he wants you to fear him just as much as he wants you to experience his compassion. In Joshua 4.24, we read... He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. When he was walking and moving and doing these profound things that Joshua was experiencing when he first entered into the land and they're overturning enemy cities, they're saying, he's doing this so that you will fear him. He's doing it purposefully. So, it's interesting. There's a, a place in Psalm 2, 11, 
serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Isn't that an interesting verse? We see that as so contradictory. Rejoice with trembling. Be full of joy and shaken in your shoes. That is what a person experiences when their eyes are opened and they see Creator God. So, the fear of the Lord, this awesome reverence of Him that causes you to shake and have joy at the same time, actually delivers you from fear. So what, what kind of fears? What things are you afraid of? Are you afraid of failure? Is that what motivates you in your studies? You're afraid of the grade you're going to get in your work, in whatever relationship that you're in, whatever endeavor. Is it, is it the fear of failure that motivates you? You can be set free with the fear of the Lord. Is it the fear of rejection? You're clinging to a relationship. If that person doesn't respond to you in the right way, you have no value. You need the fear of the Lord. Is it the fear of pain? The fear of death? Is it the fear of being exposed in some way, of being shamed? Maybe it is the fear of evil instead of the hatred of evil that is consuming your life. Some people feed on movies to entertain themselves, to, to taste fear, to kind of build that in their systems. They like the feeling of fearing evil, and they actually kind of pursue and grow it in their world. Because this is what happens. People, most of the time, even Christians, are afraid of the devil and just aware of God. And you should be afraid of God and just aware of the devil. There's a story about Martin Luther. It's probably just a myth, but it, it, it shows a picture of his life. Martin Luther, the, the reformer who put 91, 93, how many theses did he nail to the door? There we go. I was getting there. He's going through the odd numbers. 95 theses to the Wittenberg door. He, he, it was a death sentence for him to, to bring a judgment against the, the church at that point in time for all of its evils. And the church was evil in many, many ways because they were all-powerful. They were in control, and they were not doing a good job. But uh, so what was said about him was he was in a, a deep sleep, and all of a sudden he was overwhelmed with, like, the presence of evil that was so strong that he could smell it. And it woke him up. And in the room was not a demon, but actually 
Satan himself, that the, the leader of the host, that uh, the, the supreme demonic force was in the room with him. And he said, oh, it's you. And he turned over and went back to sleep. Aware, not impressed. Oh, what if it's a demon? Blink. Nothing. If you fear the Lord. If you don't fear the Lord, your life will be consumed with... In, you'll, you'll be paralyzed in the presence of evil. You'll be overcome by it because you've given such value to that thing and not value to the power and presence of God. Somebody say, ouch, help me, Jesus. See, sin, all the things that you've done trying to meet your own needs apart from God, all the ways you've given yourself to fear, all the ways you've fed lies in your life, does bring shame and rejection. Now, you should avoid sin, but you should not avoid facing the results of sin. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a story in the life of David of our attitude towards sin is to see it exposed, to face it, to not be afraid of our own sin because we fear God. You're not afraid that some weakness, some twisted lie in your life will be seen because you say, I want the light of God in my life. I want this deeply penetrating view, this all-seeing eye, greater than anything in Tolkien's imagination. Sees you at all times. Nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. But David, after being rebuked by Nathan, after, after committing adultery uh, with Bathsheba, getting her husband killed, uh, and being rebuked by Nathan, this is what he said. Against you and you alone, God, have I sinned. Who was he concerned about knowing about his sin? Not his friend. Not his spouse. He said the biggest deal about my sin is how it's affecting my relationship with God. So that's, that's what's happening to whatever you're clinging to. What's it affecting? Your prayer life. Your longing for intimacy with God is taken away because you're ashamed of seeing Him face to face because you don't want to face your sin. But you could fear God and break all that shame off of you. 
Come to the fire. It's good. It's good. I'm not telling you something bad. I'm not forcing something on you. I'm not trying to intimidate. I'm telling you there's freedom in the fear of the Lord. So, all right, here we go. We get some exercises now. I've got some of these prayers coming at you. How do we grow in the fear of the Lord? You know, you can kind of shake your pinky if you think, I want to grow in the fear of the Lord right now. Just kind of do something, something bare. Like, you don't, other people don't have to see. I just want you to. I want the fear of the Lord. Anybody want the fear of the Lord? Okay? All right. I warned you. When you start praying these prayers, it releases a holy God to do his work. And you're going to be in the middle of something, and you're going to say, why is this happening? And I want you to remember, you asked for it. Okay? You should tremble. You should be a little bit cautious right now. This is a big deal. So, how do you grow in the fear of the Lord? By knowing God's eternal judgment. I'm smiling. That's just, you know, something wrong with that maybe. But I do have joy in this. So, I want to... Because this is so graphic, I just have a couple of passages that we're putting up here today. So I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment is written about in the book of Revelation, and there is the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne judgment is about heaven or hell. The judgment seat of Christ is for all believers. You will be judged. Your entire life will be weighed before God. Every word you've ever spoken will be weighed before God, before all the other creatures of heaven. You will be seen. And it's a good thing because it's going to be completely accurate and just. It'll be perfect in every way. So, in Revelations 20, 11, it says, John, the best friend of Jesus, walking around as if in a dream, having a revelation of eternity. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead. You ever wonder about those people buried in the sea? The sea gave up its dead. And death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. We don't talk about that a whole lot anymore because 
Jesus is your friend. God understands you and he cares about you. He does. It's absolutely true. Both are true. Can you see the importance of holding both of those at the same time? Gentle Jesus, weak and mild. And anyone's name not recorded in the book of life thrown into the lake of fire. Then there's the judgment seat of Christ. This is called the Bema seat. And this is a place, it's a profound thing. If you could ever get a chance to uh, uh, listen to a teaching, uh, a friend Jamie Lash wrote a book along with Rick Howard on the judgment seat of Christ and videos and teachings related to it. It is awesome. It will grow in you the fear of the Lord. And... So, 2 Corinthians 5.10, each of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is not an issue of salvation. It's reward and loss in eternity. 1 Corinthians 3.12, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will suffer, will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Um, I think I've got a slightly different translation. I like that wall of flames. Bit. So, in this teaching by Rick Howard, he's describing a, a dream that he had, this vision, and he's seeing the judgment seat of Christ, and he has a picture of two people that he knew really well. One was an older woman who was unseen, but he knew. She, every once in a while, she would come around, and she'd say, Rick, I'm praying for you. And he saw this picture of her at the judgment seat of Christ. He said, all of us have wood, hay, and stubble, okay? Every, all of these people at the judgment seat of Christ had wood, hay, and stubble. There's dead works that you've had in your life. There's things you've done that are worthless. Anyone say, amen? <laughs> you only knew if you had any treasures after the fire came. And in this dream, the person would stand before Jesus, white hair, blazing eyes, and his torch would come down on your life. And when the torch came down on this woman, it burned up, but there were gold, silver, and precious stone, works done in secret, caring for others, a life of intercession. And she just took those jewels and threw them in the air. And then he said there was another person. And this guy was like the sharpest, best, most impressive guy in his seminary. Just all over him written ability and talents. And, and he, he had a fair amount of success, but in his light, later years, he drifted away from God. And he said, he saw that man and the torch came down 
And when it came back up, there was nothing but a burnt piece of earth. His life had actually been completely dead works, no matter how much he'd done in the church. This is good. It's accurate. It's piercing. It's the Bible. I didn't say this. I didn't make this stuff up. So here's my prayer. Holy God, your judgments are right and true. No human has any defense against your justice. May your will be done. I fall on your mercy and say yes to the cross of Jesus. Show me how to live for your reward. Expose every shallow temporary motivation in my life so that I can honor you, Jesus. Now, in all of that stuff that I talk about judgment, something in you is going, but Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I'm okay. Jesus loves me. You're kind of being heavy, Mark. Let go of that thing. I got too much of that. I was in the, one of those terrible churches you talked about. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. He suffered for you. There is no question about his love. And there's no question about his majesty. It's both. His love means less to you if you do not see his majesty. How do we grow in the fear of the Lord? By growing the awareness that God sees and knows everything. Hebrews 4.13, I, I quote this often. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Ezekiel 10.11, the cherubim could move in any of the four directions. These are the beings around God himself. They went straight in the direction they faced. This is the wheel within a wheel. This is this mysterious creatures that he goes into describing, Ezekiel does. And it says something interesting. I think this is so fascinating. And this is talking about what God sees. The beings around, the beings around God have eyes all over their body. <laughs> Both the cherubim and the wheels were covered with eyes. The cherubim had eyes all over their bodies, including their hands, their backs, and their wings. Even the beings around God can see everything. How much more the eyes of God. And I, uh, I mom, here's a, a lesson you can learn from my wife. She strongly developed the thought in my children, that she had eyes in the back of her head. How many mothers have eyes in the back of their head in this room? Man, you think you know what you're doing. You think mama can't see. Good luck with that. They're an image of our Heavenly Father. So, how would we pray? With the God who sees everything. There's nowhere you can go. There's nothing you can do. 
There's never been a time or a place that he has not seen everything you've ever done and known everything you've ever thought. How does that affect you? Can you say yes? I'll tell you, say yes to the character of God. Say yes to reality. Okay, let's stand together, and I'll, I'll pray this for us. And this is almost pure scripture. Some of these places I've taken, and I've, I've chewed on it and processed it, and I've written a prayer. This is almost pure Bible. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Nothing in all creation is hidden from your sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare in my life. And I will give an account of every word that I speak when I meet you in eternity. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know every fear in my life. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's nowhere I could go, nothing that I could do to hide myself from you. You know my thoughts, you know my past, and you know my future. Jesus. Amen. I'm going to lead us in a couple more prayers right now, so you remain standing. The next one is a repentance of all lesser fears. You can choose to fear these things, or you can choose to fear God. You can choose to feed yourself on horrible images, tantalizing, entertaining thing that that spook you, or you can choose to feed on the fear of the Lord. It's your choice. When you choose one, you are not choosing the other. Father, forgive me for fearing the loss of things more than the eternal loss of the souls I meet each day. Father, forgive me for being impressed with and afraid of evil, but instead grow me in the awe of your awesome power. Father, forgive me from caring more about what people think that don't really know me or see me accurately than I do about what you think who know me from the inside out. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me of these cheap fears. How do we grow in the fear of the Lord? By speaking our love of what God loves and our hate of what God hates. I... You know when I'm struggling sometime, if you pass me on the highway and I'm doing, I might be singing, I'm not sure, but I might be praying something like this. Holy Spirit, I hate pride, lust, 
jealousy, and comparison. I hate every perverse thought and everything that would twist and distort people who are created in your image. I love your character, your word, and your people. I love your creation and everything that reflects your beauty. I thank you that I and every human are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord Jesus. The next one is cultivating. I'm, I'm just going to ask you to, well, you can be seated just a moment. And we're going to stand up and pray a couple more things in a second. So, you can grow in the fear of the Lord. Under your breath, you can say, I want this. I want the fear of the Lord. I value this. I see this in Scripture. I see God encourage. I see this is going to give me more of his character. See him more accurately. I want this. You grow in the fear of the Lord by cultivating your imagination of this awesome God. So, the lack of an awe of God gives you no protection from fear. The awe of God makes every other fear cheap and insignificant. Breaks their power like dust. So how hard is it for you to go wow? How hard is it for you to be to look at a flower and go wow? How hard is it for you to look at any part of God's creation and be amazed? Have you lost the awe of God? See, most of us value sophistication, coolness, unimpressed, whatever. And we don't value childlike wonder. (gasps) Wow! That's what a child does in responding to something simple. That's what we're looking for to grow in our lives. I want that wonder greater in me. Now, here's, here's a, something for our imaginations. I just, this came up in my brain yesterday. I was just thinking, awesome of God, awesome of God. Then I, I, I Googled how many nuclear bombs are in the sun. Seemed like an appropriate question. So we think, we look at this earth... What's the most devastating thing that we could happen besides natural disasters? A nuclear explosion. We could, we could call this, instead of nuclear explosion, let's, let's call it hurricane. Uh, grade 5 hurricane. Okay? So, the sun is 100 million times 1 quadrillion times 1 quadrillion nuclear explosions per second. It's 10 to the 38th power per second. Nuclear explosions, hurricanes. It's not the largest star in the galaxy. Not the biggest galaxy 
in the universe. One star. Our God holds every person, every star, every galaxy, the entire universe in his hand like a jewel. This is his view of the universe. One star, 10 to the 28th, 38th power, nuclear explosions. Who is this God? Who is this God that will sit down and talk with you and hear your prayers and respond to you? Ezekiel and Revelation. You know, the, so take, if you want to grow in the fear of the Lord, grow in your imagination. I, I, I pray through Revelation chapter 4 and, and Ezekiel chapter 1 because these are revelations of heaven, of the person of God. And I'm just, that's what I want built in my life. I want to grow in these things. And it's, so Ezekiel 1, 22, spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out toward one another, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. And then there came a voice from above the vault, over their heads as they stood with lower wings. Above the vault, over their heads, was that looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. <laughs> you know, look that one up. And high above the throne was a figure like that of a man. Glowing metal, full of fire, brilliant light surrounded him. A rainbow of radiance surrounded him. So, here's the prayer. Let's stand up. And again, so I'm, my first couple of words in this prayer are holy, terrible, awesome, and majestic God. Okay, how many of you lately have been starting your prayers with terrible God? That, I mean, unless you're cussing, it's not a big part of your vocabulary. And I'm telling you, this is a valid view of God. If you are full of the holy terror of God, no other fear matters. Grow this in your life. Holy, terrible, awesome, and majestic God, you are so big. Your voice is the sound of an army of massive waterfalls. Your beauty is beyond description. You hold all of creation in your hand like a jewel. The entire universe is in your hand. Every being near you causes wonder and amazement. All authority and power emanate from you. Amen. And the last one I'm, we're going to have is how we grow in the fear of the Lord by taking back all of our divided affections and giving them back to Jesus. Unite my heart that I may fear your name. Everything that I've strapped a rope around, I want that. That's attractive to me. I desire this. I long for that. 
cut them off with the sword of the Spirit in the name and by the blood of Jesus. And I bring all of those things, all of those, those little untangled ropes flapping around. Take every bit of my heart, Lord Jesus, and establish it back in you. Forgive me for all of my lusts, all my perverse thoughts. Lord Jesus, thank you for providing all my needs, but forgive me for giving my heart and affections to things. Thank you for loving relationships, but forgive me for giving myself to people to try to gain value. Forgive me for looking for value in degrees, in work, in my reputation, when you've already given me unmeasurable value. Not wrong having degrees, not wrong having excellent work, but why are you doing it? All of these things I've attached myself to, I cut off in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus, and I release them. I bless them. Everything you've created is good, and I bless it and I release it. All of those strings I tie back into you. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. We're going to respond in worship right now. Bam, come up here. And at this time, why don't you pray some of these prayers? I, I'm, I'm giving you vocabulary. I'm trying to give you motivation for praying Big prayers. You want to pray bigger prayers? Let's, let's start asking for some God-like things. We're, that's why, kind of why we're here today. The worship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator God. So look for a way to express, respond back to understanding of this fear of the Lord right now.